What's up, everyone? Welcome to another interview for CanadianGameDevs.com. Uh, I'm your host, Steve Crane. Uh, Join me is a good friend. Uh, if you've been uh, listening to the podcast in the last three years or so, you might recognize him. Uh, if you played Runbow or any other various games, you might recognize his sound. Uh, but it's Dan Rodriguez. So am I the first um, Canadian game devs interviewer? Uh, oh, yes. Yes, you are. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I'm feeling that. <laughs> Brett, yeah. I guess because there was the podcast last No, week. Brett doesn't count. No. Oh. Brent has never counted for anything. Does not count. <laughs> but yeah, you are the first interviewer. You're also the first audio um, person to be oh, the, uh, to be interviewed. Um, oh, they've all been text. No, well, the, uh, I did. Do, uh, the, we I did do an interview with Felicia uh, Valenti, who's a voice actress. Yeah, I recall that one. That was probably cool. oh, the closest one. Uh, and then everyone else. There was a streamer, um, Alex, who is more who's a game designer. Uh, Jason Canham, who's and the, and Gala, who's a developers. I'm kind of blanking on some of the other people, but it's mostly been like developers with a few, like with the streamer and stuff, kind of thrown in. So mm-hmm. you're the first like true audio guy. I don't know about that, but <laughs> definitely um, an audio guy of sorts. Before we kind of get into uh, who you like, you know, how you kind of got into gaming and, and all that stuff, why don't you kind of just like introduce yourself a little bit? Like anyone who's not familiar with who you are, uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast before. Um, why don't you just kind of just give yourself a, the 30-second uh, elevator pitch, I guess. Well, I mean, basically, I'm just an audio nerd. I love <laughs> audio. I love, I love editing. I love recording. I love writing. I started off as like sort of a musician where I gigged a lot. I taught a lot of music lessons, um, you know, jazz bands, R&B bands, stuff like that. And then decided I needed to figure out how to make money. Um, you know, get sort of the royalty gravy train working for me a little bit and start working on some media stuff and then going back to school again. And uh, now I write music for video games, advertisements, um, television shows. Uh, I've never done a feature film or anything like that. It doesn't really interest me that much, to be perfectly honest. I'm pretty happy doing, um, uh, you know, advertising and and television shows, things a little bit smaller. Um, and the bigger projects are usually the video game projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So that's that's the that's the gist of it. I live a pretty enigmatic existence. <laughs> like I don't have a website. I barely tweet. I have no Instagram, no Snapchat, none of this social media stuff. You know, nobody knows who I am. <laughs> yeah, for the <laughs> for the longest time. On the podcast, like, because you left, uh, you did quite a few episodes with us, like sixty or seventy episodes, like a lot. Uh, yeah. And then you, and then you kind of, and then you left. Um, and we would always do like tweet of the week and just go to your own Twitter. Uh, but it was <laughs> it was always just retweets of like yeah. the thirteen a.m. guys who we'll talk about and stuff like that. You don't really, you you just kind of exist out there. If if you don't know, if you, if you follow mostly online, you wouldn't know that you even exist. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of like it that way, to be honest. Um, I, like, I do have a band camp, but it's under an alias, and nobody knows what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know. I didn't know that you had a band camp. Or, yeah. You're not on SoundCloud either? Like, isn't SoundCloud? Nope. No, I'm on nothing. <laughs> nothing. And I like it that way, you know? 
Well, suddenly I feel so appreciated that you did like 60 or 70 episodes because I feel like that's more. Yeah, that's like the, <laughs> my biggest output on social media ever. And, uh, you know, uh, me and Jake have talked about doing his podcast too, which, you know, I would definitely do. But um, aside from that, I keep it pretty low key. <laughs> oh, I appreciate uh, doing the the, uh, the podcast. And, and Jake, by the way, is Jake Bud now, so you should check him out on YouTube. Um before we kind of get into like the history of like you mentioned that you wanted to start making money from it and stuff like that, something I've always kind of asked people to start off the show is just what kind of like what kind of gamer are you? Like, there's you know there's usually there's mobile people, there's PC master race people, there's console people, there's trophy hunters like myself. Um, mm-hmm. How do you kind of define yourself as a gamer? And when did when did that kind of start? Like, have you been playing games most your most most of your life, or is it kind of been a pretty recent thing? How did that kind of start for you? Good question. Dude, you're a good interviewer. You said before the show, I had no questions. I do have questions. Well, that was an assumption. I was wrong. I'll I'll, I'll admit when I'm wrong. There you go. It's all good. Um, Yeah, man. I mean, I started, my very first system was a Sega Master System. That was my first console. Um, I played like Wonder Boy, uh, Axe Warrior, the RPG. uh, What was it called? I think it was just called Axe Warrior, Golden Axe Warrior. It wasn't the beat-em-up. It was like an RPG version. Oh, um, it wasn't. It was, uh, wasn't there like Fantasy Star or something? It wasn't. It wasn't Fantasy Star. It was. Uh, it was. Um, oh man, it was, I'm pretty sure it was called Golden Axe or or Axe Warrior or something like that. But it was more like a like the SNES top down Zelda game. Okay. Um, man, yeah. What was it called? Yeah, it was called Golden Axe Warrior. Yeah, for the Sega Master System. Yeah. But it wasn't the beat 'em up. Um, that was a great game and that kind of really got me into sort of narrative based games most people started with like Zelda but Mm. that was actually my first RPG was that Golden Axe Warrior game and then I graduated to a um, Super uh, Super Nintendo yeah I actually worked every day after school got home I did all the dishes made my parents bed swept the house they would give me a $2 bill. <laughs> and I saved up all my $2 bills until I had a fat stack. To uh, it was, I had like maybe 150 bucks, And then my parents just bought me a Super Nintendo. They're like, dude, this guy cleans the house like every day. Let's just get him a Super <laughs> Nintendo. And, uh, and then, yeah, and he, my dad got me the bundle with Link to the Past in it. So that was the next uh, sort of big influential game. And then, and then I started getting into the JRPGs. The Final Fantasy three, the um, Mario RPG, that kind of stuff. I played everything RPG on the on the Super Nintendo. Graduated to a PlayStation One. Another funny story about the PlayStation One. My mom bought me one for Christmas, and I found it. It was hiding in my grandpa's closet for like three months before Christmas. I found it all wrapped up. Every day after school. I would open it up, <laughs> set it up on my parents' TV, and play it for like an hour before they got home, and then wrap it back up and put it in the closet. Um, and all I had was the demo disc, right? So I just played uh, like Tekken and stuff like that. Is um, that how you found out? Uh, I'm not sure what age you would have been. Is that how you found out Santa wasn't real? Because that's like similar to how I found out that Santa might not have been so uh, up and up. With, uh, no, with no, I don't think I ever really believed in Santa. Ever? No, not really. Oh man, what, what kind of childhood did you have? If you didn't believe in uh, Santa. 
I don't know. I just I'm, I was just a skeptical kid. It's like no <laughs> you chance. Knew, you knew right away. Just like why is this yeah. dude giving me presents? It's no I'll way. just yeah. I'm just gonna buy into it for the presents. You know? <laughs> but yeah, that's how that worked out. Um, you know, it sort of went through the N64 phase for a little bit. So lot yeah, consoles definitely. Then but after N64 it was PlayStation Two, PlayStation Three, PlayStation Four. You know, mm-hmm. uh, just recently went back to Nintendo on the Switch. Oh, so you, do you have? A, oh, so you did get a switch. I did get a switch. Nice, with an extra pair of Joy Cons. Nice. What Love game it. and what games are you playing on the switch right now? Right now, um, I picked up Pool Panic. That was fun. I don't think I've even heard of that one. Um, that's a pretty cool. It's a it's a it's a pool game. Tons of music, lots of short loops, um, all really like quirky, creative stuff. I like it. Um, it's got like a huge overworld and all these different sort of pool tables, but they're not pool tables. They're they're really random, creative sort of representations of pool. Mm. And there's all these different types of balls, but they're not just pool balls. They do wacky things. Like one's a pig that chases you, and one's like one has like you know rollerblades, and it gets out of the way when you try and shoot it. So it's a bunch of wacky stuff. It's kind of fun. Um, so yeah, that's one of them. I mean, I got it right here. <laughs> just see. boot it. Just boot it up and see. I, I put yeah the the you know I went through the Mario Odyssey thing. You know, play some classic arcade games, Snipper Clips, good co-op game, beat Golf Story. I, I was enjoying Golf Story. I, I really liked it for, I don't know, maybe six or seven hours. Mm-hmm. Loved, like, the graphics, because it was basically an SNES game, like, loved the colors and everything like that. But then it just kind of fell off a cliff for me. Like, the, I guess the, the grind of, like, a golf RPG kind of, kind of hit me. Yeah. I had a bunch of, like, side quests that I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore so i didn't like play the story it had a really like cute story and stuff like that but right yeah um, I, li- I liked it i mean i bet you if there was a platinum you would have beat it <laughs> very possible <laughs> i got the batman telltale i haven't played it yet but I-, I remember you saying that you liked it so i picked it up yeah i liked uh have i played the second one i like the first one that the only problem with the telltale games is it on switch is that what you're playing now mm-hmm. oh i didn't even know it was on switch um the problem with the telltale games now is just their engine is just so awful like it will the, the like cutting between scenes and and just the different kind of like weird character motions is just it's like getting it's getting too old like it was fine in walking dead because walking dead is a very slow moving kind of game right. and world but batman you know there's a lot of moments where he's like kind of quick and like throwing stuff and punching stuff um that being said the best part of that game is being bruce wayne i thought like nice okay cool. those parts of the game so actually i have played the second one i like the first one more but the second one was good too so try it out and then, uh, and then we talked a little, like a little bit off the air, but you you picked up Knack as well on PS4. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because it was on sale for like four dollars, and just one of those things where I thought, man, this game just gets shit on <laughs> so much. There's got to be something good about it. So I picked it up, and I and I remember you saying that you kind of liked it. So I tried it out, and I was like, this is actually kind of fun. Like, it doesn't bother me that much. It was fun keeping an eye peeled for the secrets. I yeah. really dug that part of it battling was like whatever it was it was fine the story was okay uh, for four bucks it was goodbye i thought yeah i bought i mean i bought it for full price <laughs> so i was i was fine with it as it has like a fun like it, it has co-op too so i don't know if you played with like your girlfriend but no it has a co-op mode where it basically just gives them an invincible person who runs around with you but if they get hit or whatever they just kind of like they're just gone for like five or seven seconds or so, and then they oh, come back. Oh. So I want to pick up Knack too because 
I have, like I have a soft spot for Mac. I don't mind it. It's not that like you like you said, people shit on it all the time. Yeah. But it's actually not that bad of a game. I didn't mind it. Um, I'm waiting for uh, that one to come down to four bucks. <laughs> then I'll pick that one. Up. <laughs> yeah, four dollars, you'll pick it up. Because it's still like forty dollars. I'm like, nah. Yeah, I feel Perfect that way though. about the, like the Shadow uh, or no, sorry, what's the what was the, the Last Guardian? Um, oh yeah. Where I'm just like, I'm, I'll just wait for this to be like a five dollar game, and then uh, and then I might pick it up. So mostly a, a console guy. Um, narrative based games narrative for based sure. Games I, I mean, I like good game mechanics, but if it's if the story can grip me you know i think the first game that really got me story-wise aside that wasn't necessarily technically an rpg was that uh that metal gear solid on playstation one that really blew my face off yeah i thought that was like a marvel back in the day it's funny because you're like your two big games that you know like i said blew your face off i i didn't like metal gear solid and link to the past i didn't play when they first came out so it's funny that you're kind of saying that these games were so like revolutionary and and so important to you but like for me I played Link to the Past when it came out on like Game Boy like it was ported to Game Boy many years later. Right. And yeah. uh I don't think I've even played the original Metal Gear Solid to be perfectly honest. I played the GameCube remake when it came out. Okay. But I don't think I've ever actually played the PS1 version. Um, it was it was so dope. I just remember going, this is a movie. Yeah. I'm playing a legit movie right now. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's crazy. So, being being like kind of musically inclined, did you always kind of like you said it was kind of more of the narrative stuff for for gaming that kind of grasped you? Like, did you were you also kind of like Metal Gear Solid Link to the Past have amazing soundtracks? Was it all was like sound and and music and sound design and all that stuff super important to you as well, or is it or were the RPGs because of their narrative and grindy sort of? Um, yeah, I mean, it was more more about the narrative for sure. You yeah. know, I mean, the music definitely like I still remember it today and when i go back and play one of those games they still it's nostalgic for sure it definitely scratches that itch right Mm -hmm. i mean like there's certain albums that remind me of certain times in my life you know like i used to live in boston and you know there's particular albums that i listened to a lot while i was there and whenever the song from one of those comes up it kind of just can put me back in that space you know Mm -hmm. so yeah it didn't it wasn't yeah when i was a kid the the music thing you know i definitely wasn't some sort of savant kid who was like playing you know classical piano or anything like that or playing anything really back in the day um i, th- I thought i was going to be a drummer like i, I love that first green day record dookie and i would sit there or dookie or whatever i would sit there and like do all the drum fills in my on my bed in my room and i was listening to the record and stuff you know um then my buddy got a guitar and i played his guitar and i thought that was the coolest thing and wanted a guitar for years after that and then that's how i ended up getting into music eventually you know and then i went to school twice i did mohawk for like classical and jazz and then i did uh, berkeley in boston i went there for film scoring and composition so did you go did you do mohawk and then right away go to boston uh no that's a good question after mohawk i gigged a ton and i taught a lot of guitar lessons and um and i practiced a lot and i remember looking at my bank account after a year of doing that and going yeah right like there's no way i'm gonna be able to buy a house and maybe one day support family and stuff like that just gigging and teaching like it wasn't gonna work out for me that way like it does for some people so i mean i really went back to school because i wasn't really sure what i was gonna do but i wanted to figure out how to get you know um how to start getting the royalty thing working in my favor because it's really tough to make a living just as a musician, you know, really, really tough. And 
it really helped to be able to um, start getting royalties working in my favor and start figuring out different income streams and start writing music um, for other people, work for hire, and and have that other um, way to make a living because most of the people that I went to college with, they're you know, they moved on to other things, right? Yeah. If uh, if you hear a dog barking in the background, it's just my dumb dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so you went to Boston for um, film composition, you said? Yeah, yeah, film <laughs> scoring and uh, and composition. That's where I kind of started breaking into other things, like learning how to write for strings and woodwinds and understanding uh, how to conduct uh, an orchestra and um, you know just writing more to picture because when the first time I went through college it was all about being a performer it was all about um, learning how to play my instrument better and and uh, it wasn't really a lot about writing and arranging and stuff like that um, so I got most of those things together when I went to Boston you know mm-hmm. um, which really came in handy because then when I came back to um, when I came back to Toronto I mean most of sort of my peers went either to LA or to New York not all, you know, all, all the most serious ones anyway. And then not very many of them went back home, right? Hmm. So I came back to Toronto and because I figured Toronto's a big enough hub, like I'll definitely be able to find work. And and I was, you know, I, I ended up getting some gigs and ended up working in-house at a place where I was there for three years and, and writing a ton. And one of the main reasons that they hired me was because I had that sort of background, you know, where if they needed one of their composers in-house to do a string arrangement and be able to write it for strings with all the bowings and articulations and dynamics and and make it parts that string players are going to want to read, then they knew that I could do that, right? Mm-hmm. So that was uh, an asset. And so for someone, so we haven't even gotten to like the gaming part. Um, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like have you have, by this point when you worked in that I think you've mentioned that job before like they worked in-house at a place for three years have you have you done any sort of gaming specific things like by that your, point yeah um by that point yeah I had written some music for um uh Battle Goat Studios for a game called uh Supreme Ruler they've done a bunch of them but it was like a, a, a couple of titles sort of in the middle of their sort of tenure yeah um, I know they're they're still doing their thing, um, and I helped them out with some stuff around that point when I ended up getting that gig in Toronto. Um, but then after that, I got so entrenched in sort of the ad scene. I was just doing a lot of advertisements because they paid all my debts. You know, <laughs> I was right. able to pay school debt. I was able to pay my gear debt. I moved all my stuff into a studio in Toronto. And I did three years of just writing music for advertisements every day. And it was such a boot camp. It was really, really good for me. Like I did uh, every style of music you could think of would pop up and, and, and mishmashes of everything else. Right. Um, one day you'd be writing hip hop something. One day you'd be remixing, you know, uh, a classical piece. Another day it would be like writing just a ukulele with a whistle. And then another time it would be you know, heavy metal guitar or something. Right. So it was like all kinds of random stuff. And it really put me through the paces and, uh, got me to a point where I, I felt pretty comfortable with my own sort of production value, you know? Yeah. And, um, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going no. to say like, as someone who's kind of, uh, what I'm, the point of these interviews, like for me at least is cause I, and, and you know this cause I, cause you've answered this quite a few times is just like for someone who's starting out, 
mm-hmm. you know, what advice do you have or like what path like would you recommend? Anything like that. We'll kind of get into a little bit deeper as we get to more of the gaming specific stuff you've done. But like going to school kind of twice, like it's to me, it sounds like maybe the first school wasn't like ideal. It wasn't really what kind of got you in your foot in the door in different places. It was the it was the school in Boston that really such forward so like that first program like is it something that is it something that's even like it, not to like age you or anything like that but mm-hmm. is it something that's even like viable now with like stuff with like youtube and soundcloud and stuff where people can kind of like release their own sounds online and and learn that way or like would you recommend that program to anyone who's kind of in your shoes wants to be you in like 10 years or anything like that or i mean going to school for music is uh, really helped me for sure, mainly because when I was in the advertising side and the, the main reason why I can get sort of the television gigs that I've worked on and, and the video games that I've worked on is uh, I'm certainly not pigeonholed um, um, sort of genre wise. You know, I can I, I don't have a problem putting many different hats on stylistically. Mm-hmm. Um, if it has to be jazz, if it has to be classical, if it has to be uh, anything in between, I can I can get there eventually, right? I have strengths, but uh, but I'm not scared to do uh, things in different styles. And definitely having a, a theory background and performance background helped a lot, right? Um, and when you know by going to a school, I mean, can I just have gone on YouTube and and looked up different sort of theory channels and figured it out on my own? Yeah definitely possible um but by going to school you meet people right mm-hmm. you you get you get friends you you end up uh, having rehearsals playing gigs uh, the connections are the most important part of eventually making a living doing anything or getting out there and playing gigs or whatever you, you, the, the personal connections are the most important part of that if you stay at home and yeah, you can get all the same information, if not more, from YouTube, but you have to have a crazy work ethic. You have to be completely zoned in and super focused, and you have to, um, uh, you know, spend a lot of time by yourself. Yeah. And it, it's good to have the, the social aspect of it, right? Coming um, from someone who has no social media whatsoever. Yeah, social media. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need social media. I need the real people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I want to see faces, not avatars. so uh so you do you work in-house for three years um you worked out like one studio and whatnot the am i correct in the 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 game i know you from is runbow the Mm -hmm. 13 AM games came out on wii u it's been ported to i think pretty much everything 3ds pretty much uh, everything ps4 not vita i'm fairly certain um which is fine no one no one really releases on vita um how did uh, maybe maybe I'm jumping? You can you can certainly let me know if I'm jumping quite a bit here. But how did you kind of get going with with that game uh, and the 13 a.m. game, 13 a.m. games guys um, doing Rumbo and working on Rumbo? Yeah, that's that. No, that's a pretty good segue. Pretty much, I mean, the studio that I worked at was called the Eggplant uh, Collective, and they were right in the corner of Sherborne and King. They're still there. Um, and just a little bit east of there on the south side is George Brown College, yeah. where they have the video game design stuff, right? So, uh, you know, and they do um, Global Game Jam every year. And my buddy Tyler, who me and him worked on a bunch of games too, actually, mostly sort of like Xbox, XNA titles when they were, when, when they sort of like opened it up to all the indie devs to put oh, yeah, it up yeah. whatever they wanted. 
um, me and him did a handful of, of games back then too. This was probably before Battle Goat and way before Runbow. And he ended up turning into uh, Castle Pixels and releasing uh, Rex Rocket and uh, more notably, I guess, lately, the Blossom Tales, which Blossom is an Tales. awesome game. Yeah, which is blowing up on Switch. Like, it's kind of yeah been all over like the internet just basically because it's zelda it's 2d zelda that's not like the that nintendo didn't release on switch they released it first so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's totally awesome um and so me and him actually did a couple of global game jams together and then i ended up doing one on my own as a floater and um which is where you just show up with all your audio gear and write music for a bunch of teams and i ended up doing i ended up meeting uh dave proctor and Alex Rushdie and basically all the guys who ended up making up 13 a.m. games. And they, uh, that's where Runbow started, you know, right there. Yeah. Um, and so that's, and that's usually the, like, correct me if I'm wrong, that's usually the advice that you kind of give people when they say, how do I get in the industry, blah, 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 is, yeah. is going out to these events, not necessarily a game jam, but, but like, Torontaru, bonus stage, game dev drinks, anything that's really where you can kind of meet people. And then, like, I guess the game jam is sort of where you can kind of show off your skills a little bit. Yeah. Um, game jam, game jam's important for sure. You know, I mean, going out, I, I've been to Torontaru a few times. You know, uh, Brett's got the game dev drinks and whatnot. I'd like to go to more events, but frankly, I'm, I'm so busy that it's hard to make it out to anything. But the, uh, the game jams are definitely the most important. For sure. I mean, it's great to go to Torontaro and, and have drinks with somebody and, and talk about what you do and what they do, whatever. But, um, you know, it's the proof is in the pudding. You're not going to get a lot. You're not going to get more to that than you will um, going to a game jam and actually helping somebody out make something, you know. Mm. That's the one. And this is coming from someone who doesn't even have a working website right now. So, yeah, <laughs> you got to get yourself a working out of it. website. Nothing. No social media. No, or you're on Twitter. I, I am, I am, but that just goes to show, right? Like, I'm so busy that going to get the mail is a big deal for me. That's like, I think I actually have that on my Twitter handle. Um, but like, <laughs> honestly, I, I'm always here in the studio working, and have to make a conscious effort to uh, to take time off. So, and you know, that was just from doing some game jams and and from getting out there and and. Uh, you know, doing the ad and, and TV game definitely, um, definitely, you know, fills in the gaps in between video games for sure. Yeah. And so what, um, so you, so you work on Runbo and how, how does that, so how does that work? Cause you didn't technically work for 13 AM games, mm-hmm. did you? Like you weren't on the, you weren't on the team, were you? Like you, are you no. doing their next game of which I'm double cross or? Yep. Yep. Okay. So yep. So how so how did the process I guess of of Rumble go down? Like you do this game jam, um, and then was there a game jam game similar to Rumble or like kind of the 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 clay I guess of of what Rumble would eventually be, or was it just was it just completely different? They knew they liked you and and they just needed a sound guy um, going forward for like their game when they're in George. Uh, no, it had to be a bit more persistent for sure. They like after doing the game jam. They were really happy with what I provided for them. You know, it was just like, I think I did like 10 or 15 games that weekend, right? So it's like, they obviously didn't get my absolute best work. They got one of a bunch of tracks that I wrote that weekend. But but we got along really well on a personal level. And, and they liked what I provided regardless. And then um, 
yeah, it was definitely Runbow back then. I mean, the characters all looked different, but the mechanic was there, right? It was a platformer, color backgrounds change, platforms, same color, go away, all that stuff. You know, most of us know what what, what that game is. If you're a Toronto Game Devs fan, <laughs> Canadian Game Devs, sorry. Canadian Game Devs, that's right. Um, and then after, you know, uh, I was busy doing other stuff. And then when I, when I found out, uh, I think maybe even through the Toronto Game Dev site or something, that, that they were going to be releasing this game and that they were actively working on it, um, I did pursue them and said oh you know i'm the guy who wrote that music for you you know um, i'd love to get in touch and uh i had to I had to get at them a little bit to end up giving me the gig you know they had um i think they had a few other guys uh helping out with some music and whatnot and then i just ended up um uh yeah i just ended up getting the gig eventually winning winning their love what's that winning you eventually just won their love yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was it wasn't that that crazy, but I had to get that at them a few times, and yeah. they were using that track I had written for Game Dev for like their for uh, at the Global Game Jam for their trailer and whatnot at the time, and and I was like, let's do this, you know, we'll yeah. make the rest of this happen. And then once we finally had a meeting, um, we were good to go. And uh, and so now you're working with them on on Double Cross, their next game that's coming to Switch, uh, I think this year. That's right. Um, are you doing other? kind of Toronto or are you doing other like kind of games right now or are you kind of sticking with the with 13 a.m because I know you also your your primary focus right now is is the show right I don't know if you, if you can say much about the show or, or whatever but that's your that's been your primary focus for shit almost as long as I've known you the last like three years yeah. so <laughs> yeah yeah I ended up getting I ended up getting a show that was already kind of a hit show um I started halfway through season three of this sort of tween drama series and um you know, it plays in the UK and the States, domestically in Canada, Singapore, Ireland, Croatia, Denmark. Like it plays all over the world. So it's, it was a gig that I couldn't uh, pass up, hmm. um, because, like I said, I, I wanted to figure out how to get the multiple income streams going, and this was a perfect opportunity to, to to start sorting that out. And I mean, video games are great, and I really enjoy doing them. The, the budgets aren't like like television budgets, you know, and the or advertising budgets, um, especially at the indie level, right? Yeah. So, you know, got to pay the mortgage. So I ended up um, taking on this gig, and I've done 120 episodes of this show now. What's Yeah, because they must be on, like, season six or seven now. If you yeah, started. season seven um, is sort of uh, the next one that, that could potentially come, come up, you know? hoping to get some time off before that happens. So, you know, that definitely has taken a, a – I, like, I really enjoy working on games. I love it. But um, – uh, you know that that show has to take priority for me because because uh, the money's good and and I, lo- I love scoring you know television too right yeah and this is this is actually like a pretty common thing amongst indie developers where they're kind of putting you know they're wearing multiple hats for for things and they mm-hmm. might be working on their indie game right now but they also might be doing some contract dev work for some something totally non-game dev related um, yeah, exactly. Got to keep the doors open. Exactly. So it's it's a pretty common thing that like you're not just like you you don't have your indie game and you're just like working on it and then you just release it or, or whatever. Like you kind of like you said, you got to keep the doors open for for anything that comes up. This TV show came up and it was a big deal because of the royalties and stuff like that. Um, and there's no royalties for video for for uh, video games, right? Like as 
maybe I, maybe you can't discuss the contract and feel free to say so if you can't. But for as Rumble gets ported, do you get like more, or as the sales goes up or anything like that, do you get like more money out of it or? I mean, you can certainly negotiate for that kind of thing. I mean, that's that's definitely uh, possible for sure. That's that wasn't my negotiation with Runboat. You know, I I make a, a good percentage of any sort of OST sales of yeah. of of the uh, music specifically, right? Um, and that's that's kind of where we left it at with that. Um, but you know, I've definitely heard of people negotiating. You know, sort of if the game reaches such and such milestone, then I get such and such a bonus or whatever. You know, it's definitely. Yeah something that happens but um not something that i negotiated with them um you know they're this is their second uh, game right so uh, for me it's more important to have like a, a an amicable relationship and really try and help uh, a, a, a smaller dev team on you know sort of do the best i can to give them uh give them a hand to, to release a great game with great music and and not uh, put them through their ringer financially for it too, right? And I kind of, I kind of treat sort of like the television and advertising stuff as my bread and butter, and then the video game stuff is more of a, a labor of love, where I don't worry necessarily too much about the money. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I get paid for sure, and they are definitely paying me fair. But um, it's not, uh, you know, it, it's not like a huge focus for me at that point. Right, it's not that but, and that's a big deal too. Like a lot of people, a lot of people ask me like how. How do I charge for my music, right? And that's a really tricky, tricky thing to do. I mean, music's definitely been undervalued more and more and more. You know, you could, with if you have a laptop for two hundred bucks, you can have a copy of Logic, you know, and all of these samples and start making your own music like pretty much right away. Yeah. So it's um, uh, it's definitely devaluing everything. But and so, what tips do you have for someone who is wondering, like, well, how much do I charge? Like, how do I negotiate? Like, how do I how do I work that out with with someone? Like obviously, like that kind of that kind of conversation comes up with like every single sort of skill mm-hmm. um, in in trade or whatever. Like how much do I charge? But like what what if you're again? I don't want to I don't want to push you have you say anything that might jeopardize like relationships or anything like that. So stop no, me. No. If, um, but like what what how do you how do you kind of approach those conversations and like what have you found successful kind of in the past? Well, I mean, just on the surface, you got you got to you got to live. You got to survive. You got to know what your bills are and what you need to pay them. You know what I mean? If a if a gig is going to take, let's just say your monthly expenses are three grand, and you know, with if you have a expensive rent, all of your entertainment and food costs and and whatever, just to keep things hmm. floating, then you have to figure, hey, if I, if this if this gig is me full time for a month, I have to make at least that. So I got to start the negotiation there, right? Um, otherwise, it's it you know it's not worth doing. You gotta you have to do something that's going to allow you to make enough money to survive. Um, <clears throat> I remember talking with Michael Sweet, who is the music and uh, video game music teacher at Berkeley, and we had this whole long conversation where he kind of broke it all down for us, and he said, you know. <clears throat> there's all these facets that go into making a game. You've got your art, you've got the people who do the code, you've got, you know, PR, copywriters, storytellers, you know, audio and music is there amongst so many other facets. Um, what, you know, if we sort of give a percentage to all these different things, what's left for audio and music, we sort of boiled down to, you know, it's kind of in the five to 8% zone mm-hmm. of what goes into actually making a game, you know? Is the value 
more than that sure on the surface maybe you know uh, for, for the person actually playing the game, the value is, is maybe more than that. But there's so many stuff that goes on behind the scenes um, that, that also have value and are important to bringing that final product to people, right? So, you know, if you've got that total budget, if you're sitting in that sort of 5 to 8% zone if you're doing audio and music, <coughs> excuse me, then, uh, then that's at least fair, right? I mean, if, if somebody has a budget of... 50 grand for a game and you're going to be asking 10 for the music it's a bit yeah you know it's 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 probably not so feasible for them with all the other aspects that go into making that thing right so that that's definitely part of it cool um and then what's kind of so so you're working on double cross uh what's kind of like i guess what's what's next is that is your focus going forward just the tv show and, and double cross or is there something else on your plate that they it's it's a break it's a break for sure. Yeah. The next thing I'm doing is taking a break, writing some music <laughs> for myself, going on that, on that, you know, um, Snapchat, um, Snapchat, that um, band camp <laughs> that I have an alias for that one. And just kind of like putting up some, some new music and just kind of letting that sort of trickle. Uh, definitely need to take a break and just kind of focus on my own sort of musical development for a bit. Yeah. Wait, did you just out your Snapchat? Cause nope. you, you, are you sure? Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Nobody can find it because I didn't say the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> We're all good, man. Cool. Um, well, thanks, man, for kind of chatting about your, your history and stuff like that. Um, I, I'm now remembering that we had a bet. We did? You and me? Uh, I don't know if it was official. So it's you and Brett that made the bets. Yeah, Brett. Well, yeah, Brett can't. And he never it. pays up. No, he's never paid for a single bet. <laughs> we have two he owes me two dinners um at pheasant pheasant plucker uh did you beat you were playing the witcher 3 oh damn it and i saw <laughs> i saw you playing witcher 3 you know and i knowing i mean everything you pretty much said about your uh, how much how busy you are and stuff i've, I've known because we've known each other for three years or so yeah. um i knew you weren't going to beat that game i just knew it <laughs> how far how far into witcher 3 did you get you know what? Those damn question marks, dude. I know. I'm, I know. I'm like so addicted to getting every single one that I can't progress. Like I'm, I haven't even. I can't remember exactly how far I am, but I'm way overpowered for like <laughs> to go to the next part of the actual story because I'm just crushing these question marks all over the place. All these little side quests, clearing bandit camps, looting everything. Like, yeah. I mean, when I do get back on it, I'm definitely going to crush. I mean, I'm at level 40, and I think recommended level for, like, the next section's like, 14 or something. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Ridiculous. Like that, that. Yeah, that was my thing. It was like, you can just cut, like, half the content in this game and be still be perfectly fine. Like, And I'm in, like, some, if I remember correctly, it's been a long time since I played. I'm in some, like, dungeon with, like, some mage or something like that and, and just had a hard boss because... Um, I just didn't really. I think I. I think I did the opposite of what you did, which is just like overstep my, my bounds a little bit. But I knew mm. as soon as I saw you playing that game, I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> You're gonna... Yeah, I, you know, I'm trying to get to. You know what I did play recently with a friend was a way out. Did you play that? Uh, I played like the first chapter with uh, with a friend from the site, John. Um, we got to the point where we escaped, uh, prison. Yeah, um, it's uh, it picks up after that. Like it's it's kind of like a bit slow in that first chapter, but I, but on purpose, right? It gives yeah. you that bit of a slow burn, 
and you have like you have a car chase and like a boat chase and a motorcycle chase and there's all kinds of like i actually had a lot of fun and there's a good twist yeah it was super cool like i really liked the i really liked the aspect of it and just kind of playing um because i because it was like if you uh if you buy the game you, you get like a second copy of the game that you can like give to someone mm-hmm. so john bought it and then we played we never got back into it just different kind of things came up that's my dog parking so uh things just came up and and we just never kind of got back to it but um i heard there was a twist i didn't look into the story but i i did hear yeah, like don't. it kind of ends uh very cool um cool yeah well, play through it play through it. it's fun i'll give it a shot um is there anything that we didn't kind of discuss that you wanted to bring up mention shout out to um no not really i mean there's a lot of great video game composers in the city to check out you know a whole bunch robbie duguay yeah uh, peter chapman you know guy named ryan roth there's like there's so many good ones it's 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 worth just checking out see what they're doing jake butno obviously um uh, and and just see what they're doing and most of them are pretty awesome people to um, get in touch with you can get in touch with me too you know, my email is danrodriguez at mac.com. I'll throw that out there. You can get in touch with me. <laughs> so you have and, an email at least. I have, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a Chrome Magnum man, dude. I got an email. <laughs> you have a hidden Snapchat, a hidden sound. Uh, oh, no, a hidden, no, a hidden, a hidden band camp. <laughs> I don't know, man. You dropped the Snapchat That's there. It. It's probably I was, some... a, I was a Freudian slip. <laughs> they're not even like close to the same word. So no, they're not. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, you can always get in touch with me too. I'm pretty pretty open with just hanging with people and giving them advice on stuff if 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 should they want it or just to talk shop even shooting the shit. And uh, and you're composing Dan on Twitter too. So if uh, if someone wants, if right. anyone wants to follow you, see all the re- the 13 name game retweets that be, that you'll basically just do. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll start tweeting again at some point. Tweeting is like literally the easiest thing to do for busy people. Like I it's, know it's super easy. I don't know. You gotta be so careful with what you say these days. You know, like I've I've often uh, wondered if there's something I said in like 2010 that would just completely fucking ruin me. I know. (laughs) I just it's just such a I don't know. I don't like even the thought of it sometimes. Just putting random thoughts out there. Yeah. You don't want you don't want to look into this brain. That's why, as you know, Snapchat is so good because you have one hidden uh, because it just disappears after after the first time someone yeah i didn't even know that i didn't even know that about snapchat (laughs) yeah snapchat and instagram stories you just like kind of take the photo or or video or whatever and then it just disappears after snapchat disappears right away as soon as someone sees it um and instagram the story lasts like 24 hours or whatever i'm like i'm like i'm like an old dad right now (laughs) i don't know anything about social media so if uh if you're listening to this before what uh what what day will I be posting this? If you're listening to this before August 9th, um, then you must be a patron at uh, patreon.com slash Canadian Game Dev. So thank you. Uh, if you're listening to after um, August 9th or on August 9th, then you can go to patreon.com and get this podcast and all podcasts and interviews and such early. Uh, patreon.com slash Canadian Game Dev. Dan, thank you so much for, for catching up, man. It's good. It's good to hear your voice. The pleasure is all mine. I miss you. I miss you too, yep. buddy. I, I hang out. The next game dev drinks, I'm going to try really hard to go. It's going to be Jason Canam, who did oh, yeah. uh, Wave the Passive Fist. Very like, cool. Uh, as, a, as a fellow Sega kid, it's a very, it feels like a Sega kind of Genesis, Sega Master oh, System. I, I know it. Yeah. Um, oh, fun game. It, you know, I, I had some 
little issues here and there, but I, overall I liked it. But the atmosphere and the sound and, and what they did to that game in terms of making it kind of feel like it came right out of like 1991 was, was really well. Um, so I might be driving him to the game dev drinks. So oh, I'm cool. going to have to go to that one since, um, since I'll be driving him. So if we can meet then or even some other time, we'll, we'll talk though. But thanks if again. If you're man. driving, that means jazz jam afterwards and drinks. I've never actually gone to the jazz jam. That's now's the time. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and don't know what we're talking about, Game Dev Drinks is a monthly event in Hamilton, um, Ontario, that uh, basically Brett, our friend Brett Meeser, puts on that um, a game developer kind of just talks about their game or whatever. So uh, that'll be happening this month. And if you listen to the other podcasts here, you know that because Brett uh, promoted it last time. So um, I, at the very least, Dan, we should go to a Leafs game and see Tavares. Oh, buddy. <laughs> I, I almost shed a tear when that happened this year. <laughs> Yeah, when I, I saw the picture of him with his Leafs in his Leafs like bed with yeah. the with the Leafs bedding on and him sleeping there, yeah, that's it. I almost <laughs> lost it. Full on cry fest. Should be a good year. Um, yeah, but thanks again, man. No problem, dude. That was awesome. Thanks a lot.